what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Foot Candle Films. This is Alan. With me, as always, Chris. Hello, guys. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing well. Good. we got a good episode planned for you tonight. What we're going to be doing is going first to our main review, which is going to be the film The Artist which we'll be discussing in a moment. And then we are also going to go from there after a break, we'll go in and talk about some movie news, do a little Oscar recap and uh, kind of follow up on how we did with our picks with the Academy Awards this year. And uh, so let's get started first, though, with our main review for this episode, which is the silent slash black and white film, The Artist. Chris, to properly review the artist, I think we should do this in the style of the film. So I think we should do it only through facial gestures and silent movements. Are you okay with that? Sure. Great. Sure. Let's go and give that a shot. Okay. In case you can't see right now, Chris is smiling jubilantly, waving his arms around a little bit. Now he's looking mad. He's looking like he doesn't like something about the film. Now he's happy again. He's showing happy face. All right, so obviously that's not going to work. I guess we're going to have to actually talk this one out. So, um, Chris, I'm going to pose you a question about this film. Okay. And it's a question we asked the Film Society members that we screened the movie with tonight. Sure. This film racked up pretty good at the Academy Awards this year. Yeah. Five awards. It was nominated for ten, but five, the the big ones, really, it got. Actor, uh, director, and best picture. Right. You know, taking home, uh, to some people's chagrin, but, you know, did pretty well at the Oscars. My question to you is, did this film earn those awards or was this a case where it was the right picture at the right time with the right amount of novelty and nostalgia to it where it just hit a nerve with people? Go. Uh, and the fact it had Harvey Weinstein behind it. Do you think that had something to do with oh, it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think, I think it was a case. Was it deserving of best, you know, was it deserving of all the awards? No. I think it was right picture right time and had harvey weinstein who has a way of making hollywood do what it wants hmm. you know he's got a lot of money and he's you know um but was it a bad movie no but was it deserving of all the uh awards and everything i i don't think so no. wow okay well i'm going to counter you on that okay i actually think this film was great i think other than tree of life which still in my mind was the best film of the year as far as the nominees that were that were nominated this year, this one I think was a good, good runner-up, and I'm okay with this one winning. After having seen it now, hmm. I'm okay with this one winning if the Tree of Life is not meant to be Best Picture. Um, that's my take on it. It's a completely different film, obviously, so I'm going completely polar opposites on my two favorite films of the year. And I'm not going to say this is my second favorite film of the year, but I think I'll put it in the top five somewhere. I really did enjoy this film. Well, I we'll we'll discuss. Oscars in part two. Yes. Um, so I won't use that as weaponry um, right now. Okay. Um, with the artists, 
I'll just go ahead and get into what I didn't like. Sure. I guess. Go for um, it. I, in the early part of the movie, you know, basically it's this guy who's a silent film star. He's doing really well. And he meets this girl. They have kind of an encounter. And then she, by chance, then becomes this actress. And she rises. And mm-hmm. his star falls. And the movie kind of follows what happens to both of them. Okay, so that's, that's the movie. Good plot summary there. Well, Thank I was you. trying to. Mm-hmm. But one of the problems I had, which struck me, it was early on in the film. And I was really like, wow. Um, the girl has this kind of Charlie Chaplin moment in the movie stars trailer his name is george valentine yes okay so in his trailer in his little apartment or whatever it is on the on the movie set she goes in there and does this kind of charlie chaplin routine with a coat okay yes all right you've um, probably seen it in the commercials if you've seen the preview or commercials for the movie yes basically she is like this you know awestruck girl who gets a walk-on kind of movie role because of her encounter with george valentine at a movie premiere and the way she goes in there, just wanders into his trailer or house or whatever it is, and does this whole scene, I just didn't buy it. It just hmm. didn't work for me and rang really, really false. And I thought, well, it's because of how they're developing the movie. And it wasn't because of the actress. It's not that. It was a fault mm-hmm. of the script okay. and a fault of the direction. And I thought, oh, it's because they're, they needed to rush this because there were other things to do in the film. No, there were one other things to do. And a matter of fact, when it got to his downfall part, when he started drinking and all this kind of stuff, it really wallowed in that. I felt like a lot longer than it needed to. And I was like, huh. I was assuming when they were rushing her, getting the feelings for this guy and showing how she it was like, where's all this coming from? And like how she admired him. And actually, the movie really depends on you believing that just because of this one encounter with this guy, he means so much to her right off the bat and you're like really and it really hinges a lot on that relationship that you're really supposed to buy into the fact that she really cares this much for him and i they kind of rushed that on me and i felt like if they would have built that a little more and then continued on with the rest of the movie it actually would have rung truer to me Mm. um wow i just i i really didn't, so that just kind of started it for you, stars yeah, starting to kind of kind of right off, off the bat. The I was like, really? And I, the thing is, like you'd mentioned, I'd seen it. If I hadn't seen it in a trailer, which I don't know if I had, I definitely they showed that scene at the Oscars. Yes. And uh, I think that for her nomination, Bernice Bejeu, I think they showed that scene for her yeah. nomination, maybe. And um, and it, you know, it's not the scene itself, but it was where it was in the movie. And I was like, whoa, that's really fast. And I, I for her to really feel these emotions for this guy, all this like, I I didn't buy it. No, so. I, I'm I'm disagreeing with you here. I actually thought that scene worked really well. I thought the relationship. No, was it the most developed relationship in the world? No, it wasn't. But you can also look at a lot of the films that this film is inspired by. And I think uh, that's also a tradition in some of the older films as well, is that sometimes the the the, the, the two leads just kind of come together. And there's just a little bit of an understanding that something clicks, something sparks, boom, they're, they're now meant for each other. I'm okay with it. I bought it in this film. I was fine with it. I think the fact that, you know, um, the lead actor uh, playing uh, Valentine here, it really did help with the uh, gosh. I'm forgetting the actress, the character of the actress played uh, Peppy Miller. Peppy Peppy Miller. There you go. Thank you. Uh, really helped spur her career along. The two just immediately had a connection. I, I bought it. I was okay with it. I think it worked, and I I really liked 
the dressing room scene you were referring to. Yeah, a lot of the film was actually Charlie Chaplin-esque. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, grandiose movements and a lot of little pratfalls and, and, and funny things that were really playing off the idea of what the silent films used to be like. And there again, I thought it was all stylistic choices. I think the director was saying, you know, I want to mimic some aspects of what I loved about those films. But then I also want to throw a little bit in there that was not something of the time, which I want to mention here in a minute. Some of the aspects of the film that were a little less traditional than what you would see in a period piece, black and white silent film. Well, that's that's what was so dissatisfying for me is I know the conceit of this film was like it's a black and white silent film. I'm like, okay, so go with that. And there are a couple of instances where they cheated on that. And it's like either do it traditionally or don't do it traditionally and don't even try to like, don't do it pseudo. Either go full way or don't go full way and don't try to make illusions like you're keeping it real. And it, it just, it kind of, it kind of, it, it bothered me. There was use of, you know, spoiler, I guess, for people, but you've hopefully seen it by now or will shortly. I won't mention how, because I think that is too much of a spoiler, but there is sound in the movie. Mm-hmm. And but the way it's used, I mean, it's used as a breaking the fourth wall kind of uh, to make a, a meta commentary on the whole film itself. I mean, it's not I, like the director just threw in random sound effects anytime he wanted to. There was a real purpose. But I, I think he did it once. It. OK, he did it twice. And the, the second time I was like, really, you're going to fall, fall, ba- fall back on this again. Yeah. Okay. Well, at the end, I, 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 I think it was I think it was earned by the end. And I think I think that's the thing is that. The movie relay. Okay, you say one thing about oh well. Back then, the movie that it's in, the movies that inspired this silent film, they didn't have really complicated plots, or you know that wasn't the point. Well, okay, if you're going to take that excuse, it's either use all the excuses of the old silent films, or don't use them and don't mimic them and make a film that has a really creative story arc. This movie had no inventive plot if it wasn't for the fact that it was a silent film it would have been boring it would have been like a story you've seen hundreds of times but okay but back then in 1927 or when this you know okay it wasn't it was more unique because it hadn't made as many movies okay but don't use sound okay but use shots that only they would have been able to do it's like having my cake and eating it too he was you know stay in one realm and do it you know there again interesting idea i just think they it could have been so much more and Mm. if you're going to do chaplain things do it do it don't Mm. just have the dressing room scene there was such an ability when they had this confrontational dinner scene kind of where Mm -hmm. she's giving an interview and his back is turned she does not know he's there he hears all these things she's saying there could have been like some, I thought it was going to, and I thought it would have been cool, kind of a chaplain like mirror scene where he would have been behind her and he would have like, without knowing, mirrored some of her op- actions mm. that she was doing. There were all these opportunities for physical comedy or physical acting and they didn't take it up. And it's like, that's what those style of movies were there for. That's what they did. That's what they relied on. And like I say, I just, the opportunity was there. I think it could have been a great film and instead it was just a good movie wow so chris you 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 bought a (laughs) one-way ticket on the hate train on this film (laughs) along with many other critics out there and i'm i'm sorry i I just i don't i don't get it i actually think here's what happened with this film i think when it first came out there was so much acclaim because it was different and inventive and that's what people gravitated to and then everybody got so tired of hearing about it so then right before the academy awards you started getting all this i hope the artist doesn't win uh it's not going to win it'll be a better film 
I honestly think I went in probably with the lower expectations because of all that. And mm-hmm. maybe that was a good thing for me is that I went in expecting it to be uh, not really the sum of all of its individual parts. And to me, it was just a great, enjoyable film. I, I, I was pleasantly surprised. The things you, you, you commented that you didn't like about it, I mean, honestly, are the things I think worked for it. I think the fact that it wasn't a 100%, yes, we're going to make the perfect silent film. No, they they were making a film that was a silent film, but yet at the same time it was commentating on the use of voice, the change in technology and the filmmaking process and how we as an audience have come to expect things. They kind of played with our expectations a little bit with the use of sound and with noise and all that too. But how much better would that have been mm-hmm. if they made all that commentary, but they still kept themselves within the confines of what those people were able to mm-hmm. do. I think I like, think, you know, for instance, for there's, the a, scene, was, there's yeah. a scene where without spoiling anything, um, there is a card that goes up on screen that says bang. Yes. Okay. And the use of that was effective. I think they actually included the noise though. At that point, they may have used no, they sound. Didn't. They, they did actually, not. It was still okay, silent. Yeah. Okay. And now, okay. That proves my point. I didn't miss the sound. Sure. That was perfect. And if they would have carried that out in other aspects of the movie, I think it would have been fine. They didn't having the sound there was more not having the sound there was more effective. Well, I I disagree, Chris. I mean, I think, I think the times that they chose to use sound, it was a stylistic choice, which worked for me. Hmm. It was intentional. Yes, they could have gone the route and just kept the entire thing silent, but I, and that would have worked. That would have been fine. I think that would have gotten, I think it would have been better. I think that would have gotten the point across, but I think the times that they made that stylistic choice, it worked for me. I love the fact that about midway through the film, all of a sudden there was a sequence where you started to hear natural sound effects and it kind of threw you off. It threw you off your game for a little bit. I like those little surprises. I was okay with that. I didn't need the whole thing to be a pure silent film or, or, or back and forth. I like the, the stylistic choices that the director here, a Mr. And I'm going to butcher the name, even though he's our <laughs> best director for the year, Michelle Hazana Vicious. Hey. hey, did I get it? Yeah, I think okay. I did. Well, I good. like the choices he made with this film. So Chris, though, you, you kind of been ranting a little bit about the film or at right. least the things you didn't like. What, there's gotta be some things you did like about the film. I did. I did. I liked the way, um, I guess it's in the style of older movies where they had a lot of cameos and they're, they were bit part actors or they were back in the day. I think they used bit part actors and they would use them over and over again in different movies because they were studio actors and they would right. just kind of bring them in and let them be in several different movies. And in this movie, they had people like James Cromwell, who ended up playing a more of a bigger role. But I thought mm-hmm. at first he was just going to be a smaller role. But it was um, still relatively small. I mean, right. it was a relatively small role. And like uh, Malcolm McDowell, who mm-hmm. was in there, and he really had a bit part. But it was like still these little recognizable faces that had these bit parts. And the way they did the credits in the very beginning mm-hmm. was there. And they would list all these like bit part actors and everything and that was very like old movie so i kind of i thought that was that was neat yeah and um something that i thought was pretty important especially for a silent film they rely on it was the music and the guy did win an oscar for it and i thought it was i thought it was deserving because i really thought the music in a lot of instances had to carry the film and then actually when they would have no music the pauses that they would have were really meaningful and so i I thought those were two things that i really really liked i'm just trying to count the ways that I'm disagreeing with you tonight. <laughs> um, the things that you didn't like the film are things I really did enjoy and I thought worked really well. I'll give you the bed parts. I thought those were good. And we'll talk about some of those actors and actresses here in a moment. Uh, the music was okay. I actually was a little disappointed in really? the score. 
Uh, I do know that they use some parts from other films, and although I'm fine with that, that was more of a choice. It does kind of lessen the impact of an original score a little bit. Mm. And then you take the fact that some of the pieces of the themes that are played, to me, just sometimes they went way too long. They covered a lot of different range of emotions that we're supposed to be feeling. But I felt like we were hearing the same piece for a good, you know, five, seven, eight minutes spiel time sometimes. So I went in expecting it to be the music was going to blow me away and it really didn't. So I was a little disappointed by the, by the music. Um, But now you mentioned the actors and actresses, which I do believe we've got some good ones to discuss here, at least some interesting roles. So let's talk about some of those for a moment. Sure. Uh, Jean Dujardin, who is the lead actor in this playing George Valentin, a French actor, Obviously got best actor for his performance in this film. Right. Very well-known actor in France. Not so much here in America. How'd he do? Did he earn, did he earn that award or not? Um, I, I really need to see some more of his work, I think, to really judge him. Because the only thing I have seen him in is this. I haven't seen the other James Bond spoof things that he's done overseas. Um, I really thought he was his beginning portion was kind of one note. Um mm-hmm. And as the film went on and he went into his downward spiral, I thought it became a little bit more nuanced and a little more deserving. But overall, wasn't impressed with as impressed with him as I thought I would be. No, I'm with you on that one. I, I, it's not to say that he didn't play a great role, but I do feel like it was a basically a, I, I'll give him a two note performance. Oh, okay. I think one note in the beginning, which was happy go lucky, charming, uh, you know, the mugging for the camera guy. Mm-hmm. Then you had the. I'm depressed, I'm sad, I'm going to drink my woes away guy in the latter half of the film. Sure. That's kind of your two halves. And although he played the role admirably, mm-hmm. I just didn't think there was a whole lot of extra range to it. Now, the one actor, or I guess actress in this case, I am going to recognize and say I think really knocked it out of the park is uh, Bernice Bejo, who mm-hmm. plays Pepper Miller, or Peppy Miller, uh, obviously the lead female in the, in, in the role in the film. She was nominated for Best Actress, did not win, but I tell you what, I thought she was a revelation in this. I thought she was uh, just wonderful. Not only does she have the silent film movements and gestures and, and you know playing up for the camera down pat, but she had to carry a lot more emotions and ranges than I think uh, Desjardins did, personally. Yeah, she was she was more impressive to me than he was. Um, and I I actually also really like the other strong person that was a standout to me was um john goodman actually no yeah, he was good he was playing the actual film producer director his name is al zimmer in the film and uh no he he it was a part made for him i mean he <laughs> got to play john goodman which was yeah. good and he did a good job he's always been a very expressive character actor right. anyway so getting to do that without without the voice without the w- voice worked. yeah it was it fun to really see well. him do all his stuff without voice one other i was going to recognize uh, penelope ann miller i did not even recognize in this film but very very small part eh, didn't do a whole lot for me missy pyle who plays constance she is a l- actress that we see in the first part of the film we don't see her after that point um, very small part, but I've always liked her as an actress in a lot of uh, very quirky films. She's done a couple of Tim Burton films, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's she she played a good role in that first fifteen twenty minutes of the film where we saw her a few times. How do you feel about James Cromwell as the chauffeur? No, I, I thought he was good too. It was yeah. a nice, quiet. I mean, I, I hate saying a, a performance in this film it's is quiet because, of course, subtle. they all were quiet. Right, sure. It's a very subtle performance. Mm-hmm. That's the word I'm looking and for. I think he was perfect for that role too because it's something about he has a very expressive face mm-hmm. and it can be a very sad face and a very worn well, it face. reminded it me needed, a lot it yeah. needed to be 
Hey, he was just, he was perfect. He reminded me a lot of his role in Babe, which, uh-huh, okay. you know, as the farmer, it was very similar, that understated, but very reliable, very loyal character. And I, I just thought, uh, I thought overall, I thought performances across the board were great. I just thought, you know, Jean Desjardins lead performance was uh, a bit slight, a bit slight. <laughs> I think it was basically, uh, like I said, it was the two note performance. That's not to say it was a bad performance. He played the role he was supposed to play, but there again, it was kind of those extremes and there wasn't a whole lot of range beyond those two. How about Uggie the dog? Oh, I forgot about Uggie the dog. Of course, the dog in the film. Uh, I, you know, I thought he was great. I love animals in films that, that, uh, liven things up a little bit. And I think you he played a great babe, role. So you do yeah, like exactly. <laughs> I like animal films. Uh, I thought, I thought it was great. I thought it was used perfect amount of time. I think he, he played a great role in the film. You know, he was there for comic relief, but then he also had a couple of important roles to play in the film as well. what do you think? How did you do? I, 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 th- I thought he did. Okay. Um, I was, it had been built up for me though, because I'd heard that, um, they've started this thing where they have like the dog Oscars and they gave the dog Oscar to him this year. So I was like, okay, he's going to play a big role in the movie. And he did, but I thought he was going to be, there was going to be a little bit more of the relationship. They were going to kind of utilize it more. And there was a the scene where there's a dinner table scene where the, uh, Jean Dujardin is like mimicking what the dog's doing and they're kind of playing off one another. And I thought there was going to be more of that interplay there and it was going to actually come back and be really effective later or something that's going to kind of resurface and it and it really didn't i thought it was kind of a missed opportunity of the film oh, see i don't get that at all i thought i thought it was just the right amount of use and any more probably would have gotten too much on things so. hmm. wow we're just not really hitting a lot of the same marks tonight always do so. we see the same movie i was wondering <laughs> i was wondering um i'm going to wrap up kind of with a question i'm, I'm going to ask you about a quote you gave or a, a thing you said i guess more more than anything during the uh, discussion we had after the film, where you said this was a good movie, but it was not a good film. Tell me what you meant by that, or tell me how I should, how I should argue with you on that one. Well, a film strives to do a lot. It, it strives so much that it actually can't achieve all that it's trying to do because it really tries to say something to its audience and make, have a lot of, commentary on things and maybe you don't can't even grasp everything the film's trying to do it's just just has a really big scope and this movie i thought had a potential because it was trying to be a silent film and trying to pay homage but i thought it just was it fell short and it could have taken so many more opportunities to try to do more and achieve more and instead it just kind of limited itself and said oh we're just going to be kind of a romantic comedy that happens to be black and white and it really could have achieved more and strove for more and and it and it didn't oh see and i I disagree with you here as well i think no it was not the tree of life it was not this grandiose film experiment where it starts trying to communicate so much about the world around us. This was a very simple, straightforward movie, but I think for even being a very simple, straightforward movie, it pushed enough boundaries and got you thinking enough, just enough to make it more than just a run of the mill movie. So Hmm. I'm, I'm differing with you on that. I think this movie had a lot more going for it than maybe you're giving it credit for. Um, Either way, it sounds like we're both saying the film is worth seeing. Sure. Just my thing is I'm okay with paying seven, nine bucks at the movie theater to go see it. You're probably tending to 
tell people maybe wait for Netflix or Redbox. Redbox. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's kind of our, uh, that's kind of how we're pitching it. It's a good movie. Definitely worth seeing. I say go out and see it as quick as you can and enjoy it. It's definitely more of a theater experience movie. That's true. I don't know if I would have enjoyed it as much watching it at on home a on a DVD. screen. Right. And I also think it was great being around a crowd of people because this mm-hmm. was a very communal experience in a way. Actually, that's funny you mentioned that. At one point, a key scene happened and some people clapped. Yes. And it was funny because it was like this silent movie. So it's not like normally where you already have the score going and you have, you know, a lot of noise or a lot of sound. And so it was funny to hear people kind of clapping. It was very like kind of jarring. <laughs> well, there was actually one part of the screening tonight too, where there's a scene towards the end of the film where you think something really bad is about to happen. Mm-hmm. I'll just put it that way. It starts sure. to go a little dark for a minute. Yep. And uh, there was actually someone who like just gasping in our audience. Mm. And because it was a fairly quiet movie, you know, of course, these little emotions coming out of the crowd, you really hear more. So to me, that was just it it was was much more of a theater experience. And we get the honor of watching these films in a fairly old theater here in our hometown. So getting to watch this black and white silent film in a very old theater setting with a big crowd around us of almost 300 people. It's a great experience mm. that probably helped my enjoyment of the film to some degree. Sure. Um, but I do say it's a great film. I say, go check it out. Uh, Chris has got a little more misgivings with it, but uh, we at least believe it was a good worthy film to be considered this year for awards. Just, I think it earned more of the awards that it got than Chris feels like it should have. So that disagreement out of the way, <laughs> let's get ready after the break to move on to some things that maybe we agree on and we'll see, uh, see where we go with them. When we come back from the break, we are going to talk about quickly about the Oscars and just some general reactions to that. And then we'll also discuss a couple other movie-related news items to round out the show. So stick around after these uh, quick messages. We'll be right back. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films. Uh, We've just went to go lick our battle wounds after the disagreement (laughs) on the artist a little bit before the break. So let's move on to some other news. Let's talk first about the Oscars. Uh, we just had the Oscars a couple of weeks ago after as we're recording this. And as you'll recall, in a previous episode, I believe two episodes back, we made some of our Oscar picks. We went through all the nominations. We talked about all those. Had a good time doing that. I'm curious, Chris, just right off the bat, we're not going to go through and recap everything that happened. I just want to hit the highlights. Were there some really big surprises for you with the Academy Awards this year? Well, I think a surprise to me and – I think probably anybody who had really thought about it probably surprised them as well. Uh, lead actress, not going to Viola Davis, was a yeah. real big You and I both shock. had her picked, I believe. Yeah. No, I had Michelle Williams picked. Oh, that's right. You did. I had Michelle Williams. You had Viola Davis. But either way, we both lost. It was uh, Meryl <laughs> Streep with Iron Lady, which right. very few people, now, granted, I think, have I have not chosen. seen that film, but I've heard that she does okay in it, but she's the only good thing about the film. Right. And for them to single out that performance and go ahead and award it to I was very shocked. Well, of all the clips I've seen and all the screening information they've shown about that film, and then trying to compare it to the performance I saw Michelle Williams give in My Week with Marilyn, I just I didn't see the comparison. I can see that. Meryl Streep's 
appeared to be, from what I saw, more of a caricature or more of an impersonation where I really thought Michelle Williams, I don't know, I don't know how well, exact it was on Marilyn Monroe, but it was just a great performance of a character altogether. And I think that's why, if I, I agree, and I think that's why I, I felt like Viola Davis should have won because she wasn't playing a star that we knew. I mean, okay, granted, you know, Margaret Thatcher's not a star, but you know what I mean, a famous figure. Yeah. She was just pl- playing a servant, a you know, the hired help or whatever. And because of that, that made her performance that much stronger because it was that memorable. And I'm surprised they didn't know. Give her an award for it. <laughs> hmm. Well, I do think that was probably the biggest surprise of the night. I'm with you on that. Uh, were there any others offhand? Anything you thought was really uh, interesting, surprising at all from the Oscars? Well, I, did, I thought there was going to be um, more stuff for Hugo, but that didn't actually end up happening. I mean, he, Hugo did well, have some stuff. It was interesting. The first half of the evening, as they're giving it a little more of the art direction and technical awards, Hugo is racking them up. Hugo, yeah. And I think the general thinking, at least from the crowd we were watching the, the, the show with, was, okay, this is Hugo's night. Mm-hmm. They're kind of setting the stage for Hugo to just run with the Oscars. And then all of a sudden it stopped, and it didn't win anything more. And then the artist kind of took over and won all the rest of them. And having – and I that's kind of where I disagree. and Or kind of I thought it was maybe going to be Hugo's night. But there were some hints of the Descendants, and they won um, screen adapted screenplay. Best adapted screenplay, yes. They won that, and I was like, okay. And then when they the clips they showed for George Clooney and the clips they showed for Best Picture, I was just like, I I think the artist may not win both. It'll probably win. Hmm. And I was really surprised because that's I think the Descendants deserve Picture of the Year. And, wow. Uh, we can we can say that now because we're not in the review segment for the artist anymore. But it's so much more of a meaningful movie, and there's so much more to it. I don't have a problem with the artist being nominated, but as far as it winning, no way. Um, hmm. The Descendants or Tree of Life, they're just about so much more. They have so much more meaning and meat on the bones. That's a best picture. Yeah, you've gotten you know, tons of nominees. That's fine. But there's no way it should have won. And George Clooney was amazing in The Descendants. Hmm. So much more of a performance than... Dujardin in uh, The Artist. So well, there again... I can probably give you that because I, I, there again, I think we already talked about how uh, Dujardin's performance was, I think, not all it was cracked up to be. Uh, but that's interesting. Okay. So a couple of surprises there. I think overall, for me, those you hit those two as well for me. That was the kind of the biggest surprises of the night. I was surprised to see The Artist win as many as it did towards the end of the night. And I was definitely surprised by the uh, leading actress award as well. Overall, the the actual whole night as a whole, Billy Crystal coming back as a host. I mean, I know you and I were kind of hosting an Oscar party at the time, so we didn't get to watch every single moment of it. But overall, did you feel like a pretty good show, pretty entertaining? Yeah. yeah, um, You know, people always complain every year that it runs long. I actually thought the running time was pretty tight this year. It didn't seem Um, to have a lot of fluff to it. I think even the the Cirque du Soleil performance was really cool. And was pretty short. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't wasn't overly too long, but it was really engaging to watch. So I didn't mind that. Right. Um, I will say, and it's a little off topic, but I do think the bit that they did with the uh, Christopher Guest and his performer. His normal uh, improv group and the ones who have done Waiting for Guffman and Best mm-hmm. in Show, doing the screening of Wizard of Oz bit in the middle of the show was just classic. Yeah. I've actually had to watch that a couple of times since then <laughs> just because uh, in a crowd of people it was hard to make out everything that was said. But very, very funny clip. I'm disappointed, but I knew going in that it was going to happen this way. Disappointed that they didn't do 
um, performance of Best Song. Um, yeah, because you really wanted the Muppets. That would have meant that I would have had the, heard the Rio song, which I would not have cared about. Yeah. But I didn't get to hear the Muppet song, so I was really I was disappointed by that. But yeah. I'm pleasantly surprised about Octavia Spencer. I thought she was going to win, but it's always nice to see somebody who seems to really appreciate it, mm-hmm. appreciate winning, appreciate being there, appreciate the honor of being given an Oscar, and not just be up there like, oh, yes, thank you. I'd like to thank you. Know, and she was so seemingly, unless she's a really good actress, which apparently she is, yeah. but moved. And yeah. that was really, that seemed to yeah, be really nice. genuine. So Overall, I enjoyed the ceremony. I enjoyed the evening. I thought it was a lot of fun. So <laughs> always look forward to those and we'll see how we did. Overall, I think we did pretty good. I think I had, I had maybe 13 or 14 of the picks correct for the evening. You had a few more, actually. You, you had one of the highest counts in our party of about 30 entries that night. So good job to you on that. Yay. But, uh. Definitely a few surprises there for the evening. Well, let me move on to a couple of uh, quick movie news items to get your feedback on. This is where I normally like to bring out a a news item in the movie world and get Chris's response to it, and I can chime in as well. These are very unscripted, so I'm just going to pull these out of the hat and see where we go with them. Excellent. But there are a couple connections here to make with these. One, since we were just talking about the Oscars, we didn't mention anywhere in our discussion about Woody Allen in Midnight in Paris, which we both liked. We liked a lot. And it was nominated for Best Picture. Didn't win. One original screenplay. Original screenplay. Okay, so of course it did get Woody one. didn't show up. Right. <laughs> so, but overall, you know, we didn't really expect it to sweep anything in the awards, but it was nice to see it out there. Well, just read this news item the other day about a new Woody Allen movie coming out that they're working on, but it's not one he's directing. He's going to be starring in a oh. film. Well, but hold on. Oh, no. Listen to this. Listen to this. It's going to be an indie comedy. It's called Fading Gigolo. And it's directed by John Turturro, who also stars in it with Woody Allen. The two play broke Jewish men, best friends trying to earn some more money by entering the gigolo business. So Hmm. John Turturro is the sex worker. Woody Allen is his pimp. Okay, you got to admit. That could be really, really funny. Uh, I don't know. No, you're not feeling that. Come on, Woody Allen as a pimp, John Turturro as a as a as a male prostitute. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm sold. Go ahead and sell me my I, ticket now. Woody I'll Allen pay my to me just I'm has not go. been funny in so long. Well, but that's also been Woody Allen in like in his own in stuff. his own stuff. Um, I do think Woody Allen has lost his appeal as his own actor, and I think he's realized that over time. Now he's got some surrogates in there. I mean, he had, um, obviously he had um, the, what's his name? Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson. Yeah, Yeah. Wilson. Owen Wilson in Midnight in Paris. He even tried to put Scarlett Johansson in his place in that one movie that was just horrible. Um, Some magic trick movie. Scoop. Scoop. There you go. So he's tried to put in some replacements to where he's not acting as much. But this is one where he is just Hmm. getting to have some fun, it sounds like. John Turturro, I think. Interesting as a director. He's made some odd films before. Could be fun. Could be. I heard the piece there. Um, Hmm. Did we talk about Woody Allen in general? I think we did back in our Midnight in Paris review. But are you a Woody Allen fan? Are you of his of his movies as a director? I'm not a fan of his as a director. I don't really think he has. But I admire him just because he keeps at his craft. He can work kind of outside Hmm. Hollywood. And he basically makes a movie a year almost, and he doesn't care what anybody else thinks. He makes the movie he, movies he wants to make. I think he had a really great heyday, and he faded. 
And now that he's had Midnight on Paris, which I thought was amazing and really good, I think he should maybe retire. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> but, you know, that's kind of go out on top, go out on a high yeah. note and be that. So, but it'll be interesting. Maybe, maybe this new movie you're talking about where he's just an actor, maybe it'll be good. Well, you know? I've gone on record as saying I'm not the biggest Woody Allen fan in the world. I've seen the Woody, the uh, Annie Halls. I've seen the Manhattans. They're fine movies. Hmm. I enjoy them. I don't see them as the classics that some people see them wow. as. Uh, and then I've seen his lesser movies, which unfortunately I've seen more of those lesser <laughs> movies than I've seen the classics. <laughs> so Midnight in Paris was very refreshing for me as well. I really enjoyed it. I'm kind of with you, though. I'd almost rather that be his last film. That's yeah. what people remember, remember him by. I'd hate to see him bring out another you will meet a tall, dark stranger, which was not a horrible film. Oh, it was just a very slight film. I thought that was okay, film. but very slight. It was yeah. a very slight film. I Curse don't want the that Jade to be. Jade Scorpion. That was uh, bad. I don't want that to be the last film that people remember him by. Sure. Okay. Interesting. So I thought that was kind of funny. I just, yeah. for a funny, funny story. All right. Now I'm going to go a little nostalgic with you here. Something I'm very curious about. Uh, I got to throw in the mainstream film every once in a while, you know, to talk about. Okay. So Jerry Bruckheimer, who has brought us <laughs> such a plethora of high value entertainment movies over the year. Of which I think I may have only seen one Bruckheimer joint and oh, that's no. Armageddon. Oh no, no. You've seen more than that. I'll get no, you that. No, I Bruckheimer directed. No, no, no. He doesn't direct anything. He's just oh, okay, a producer. Okay. Yeah. Produce. Okay. So then he's okay, been around since the Top Gun days. I mean, he has well, done tons that. of big stuff. Okay. Well, lately his, I think his last big franchise was Pirates of the Caribbean, which don't, even get me started. I right. enjoyed the I like first the first one. two, actually. I enjoyed the first one, period. I thought the second and third were just a mess. Hmm. Well, here's good news, bad news. Okay. Gore Verbinski, who also Pirates directed guy. the three pirate movies. I know there's been four, four. but he directed the three. Um, and Johnny Depp mm-hmm. are now teaming together for what may be kicking off as a new franchise under Jerry Bruckheimer's helm. And it's going to be The Lone Ranger. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's the thing, Johnny Depp, not the Lone Ranger. Tonto. Hmm. Johnny Depp is Tonto. Army Hammer, who you'll recall from the Social Network, as the uh, the twins, the uh, the guys who Whoa. supposedly uh, uh, say they created Facebook and had to sue Mark Zuckerberg all through the film. Army Hammer is playing the Lone Ranger. All right, so here we go. That's weird. Good, bad news with this. I love the Lone Ranger. Okay. I'm honestly excited about this becoming a possible franchise again, because I think the Western is, is kind of due for a little bit of a resurgence mm. in some things. We had the pirate thing. That was okay for a little while. Got a little played out, a little done. I'm ready to go back to some old style Western. And the Lone Ranger has got enough of a blend of some comic book slash Western feel to it. That you can mm. play up. My concern is Gore Verbinski, Jerry Bruckheimer, and now Johnny Depp. Is it a Disney production? It is know? a Disney production. Uh-huh. Okay. And, you know, John Carter, which we talked about a couple, a few episodes ago, I'm personally very excited to see. I think it should be good. Oh, man. No, the previews do not do it justice, but I still got faith in that that could be a good film. <laughs> um, but Disney does not know how to market a film like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're going to know how to market a film like this either. So I'm very curious, are they going to go completely overboard, big budget, big spectacle, confusing as all get out like the pirate films got? Or are they going to be able to keep it grounded and simple? I don't know. I'm hmm. very curious to see where they go with that. Do you remember the old, uh, the, the the Lone Ranger movie they did in the 80s? No, no. You don't remember there was like a, there was like a one big budget 
Lone Ranger movie that came out in about mid eighties, I believe. Hmm. I think it was called like the legend of the Lone Ranger or something. Yeah, I remember they did Zora movies. But yeah. Well, that was Antonio Banderas yeah. later on. Right. But this was when we were still kids. They hmm. did a, they did a one big theatrical movie about the Lone Ranger. I remember it being a very slow and somewhat boring movie, but it was I've, always okay the, movie. I, I've always thought the Lone Ranger was kind of boring. I never liked like anything to do with it actually. So it'd be really? interesting to see if I liked uh, I'm into it. I'm ready for it. Yeah. I just I just don't want to become a dumb, campy, over the top movie, which I'm thinking it's got a strong possibility well, of being. I, no, I didn't. So I was never into Lone Ranger, but I think it could be a genre that could kind of resurface, like you're talking about, um, because I remember liking the Young Guns movies. I mean, they were cheesy. Oh, they were but, very cheesy, but, but I they liked were fun. them. But the, oh, the story of them and everything was really kind of cool. And I just think we haven't had a good western in a while. What? Have you seen the proposition? No, but I've, I have heard that's a really good that one. That is good. Okay, the proposition, yes, a little bit of a throwback Western yeah. there. Honestly, the last good Western I can think of was Unforgiven, and that and was see, a really long time ago. You're going to unforgive me or have to forgive me. I don't like Unforgiven. Really? No. Wow. I thought it was boring. Well, I mean, it's it. slow. It's not and meant to boring. be a fast <laughs> movie, but uh, it was just a very powerful movie. Another, I'm another, still a fan, unapologetic, a fan of Dancing, Dances with Wolves. I think it's a great movie. Yeah. Kind of a Western. It's got enough of a Western feel to it. I really like the movie. Another one that you might want to check out, I mentioned it, I think, in our top five non-foot candle movies of the year, uh, Meek's Cutoff. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's, that's another good one. Both of those are really kind of lower, bu- small budget oh, yeah. indie, indie films things, that yeah. kind of flew under the radar. Yeah. We haven't seen a really big budget. I know Cowboys and Aliens tried to do it, <sighs> but obviously I heard that was not very good. And yeah, and I was actually kind of Western. excited because I thought it might be kind of a Western thing, yeah. but apparently it was a disaster. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking for a real good hardcore Western again. Gotcha. You know, something where... I don't mind. Get some big stars in there. Oh, 310 to Yuma. Okay, that was a pretty good Western. Yes. A remake was, of the Western. It was West- a remake. Yeah. But yeah. But that okay. was from a few years Christian ago, that Bale was good. Was Christian that? Bale yeah. and uh, Russell Crowe. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was good. Yeah. But we just haven't seen the big franchise. I guess that's what I'm looking for is the big franchise Western again. Let me blow your mind. Yeah. They've already shot this movie, obviously, right? Yes. Okay, well, yes. let's pretend they haven't. Or let's just say we're going to fire Gore Verbinski and we're going to fire Jerry Bruckheimer. Okay. We're going to keep the cast. Yes. Okay. Now Quentin Tarantino is directing it. Oh. How excited are you? I'm sold. <laughs> All, right away. Sold. As am I. Yeah. That would be awesome. And he would reboot kind of the Western. I see, the Lone Ranger is not something where you feel like you've got to be so reverent no. with the source material. You could have fun with it. You could make it a little more hip. You could make it a little more interesting. Yeah. And I'd love to see Tarantino tackle a true Western as well. I would love to see Tarantino tackle a true Western and I would love to see Johnny Depp tackle Tarantino dialogue. Yeah. I agree. That. I think oh, that, that would be, be a good amazing. That would be a good amazing. Fit. All right. Let's make some calls. We'll see. <laughs> yes. Maybe they're not that far along with production yet. So. Sure. All right. Well, that's the news I had. So recap on the Oscars a little bit. Talk a little Woody Allen, talk a little post pirates, what's going to happen with the Lone <laughs> Ranger type of stuff. So gotcha. overall, you know, we're, we're kind of getting ready. The summer's coming up a little bit later. I think we're going to have to decide as we get into our show format later on, too, about the films we want to review hmm. because there are a lot of big blockbusters. And, you know, I got two young boys at home. I'll be seeing just about every superhero comic book movie that comes out this summer. Uh, how we weave them into some of our reviews, we'll have to wait and see. Should we go ahead and say that we're going to review Dark The Dark Knight Rises? I think we should. I think The okay. Dark Knight Rises is probably the most, the most highbrow of the big summer blockbuster movies coming out superhero-wise. 
And I think there's enough anticipation behind that one that we could definitely try to tackle that one when it comes out. Um, we're going to wrap up the show for tonight. Uh, but just to let you know, the next episode we do have, uh, we're going to dip a little bit into the Netflix DVD vault where uh, Chris and I are going to review a film and then also give you a couple of picks on uh, some films that we think you ought to check out. And these will all be films that are available on Netflix or for rent on Redbox. So we're going to kind of step outside the multiplex next episode for a few films, talk about some things you can check out at home. And then we'll be coming back in the episode after that, we'll be reviewing the film A Separation, which won Best Foreign Picture at the uh, Academy Awards film from Iran that we're very excited about seeing in April. Mm-hmm. So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Foot Candle Films. Just as a quick reminder, if you have any feedback for us, questions, ideas, or maybe uh, you heard us talk about uh, the artist and you're going to agree with me, which I'm assuming most everybody <laughs> out there is going to be, and you want to throw the support my way and let remind me how I was right with my discussion and Chris was off base, you can do that multiple ways. One, you can send us an email at info at themesh.tv. You can visit us on the website for the mesh at themesh.tv and fill out a contact us form there. Or if you're really daring and you want to leave us a voicemail, call our voicemail line, the mesh line at 828-619-0048. Leave us a voicemail. We will certainly listen to it. And if it's something you give us permission, we'd love to even play it on a future episode if it fits in with our dialogue. Oh, and you know, before we wrap up, you know, we got one more thing to do, Chris. What's that? Oh, we got to give out a contest code. See, people have been listening the entire episode, not caring one word what we're saying, yeah. not knowing anything about these films, but they're just waiting sure. for this code. Mm-hmm. So, let, should we give them the code? Yes. We shouldn't drag it out any longer, right? Nah, we should, we should let them have it. All right. The code for tonight is the word artist, A-R-T-I-S-T, artist, 3344. That code again is artist. Three, three, four, four. And with that, we will now wrap up the show. Thanks a lot. We look forward to hearing from you or talking to you in our next episode of Foot Can of Films. Take care. See you later. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.